Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. Well, today we're actually taking another pause in our Gospel of John series because I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things in life that I think we get to rebuild now that our province is beginning to open up. And so we're gonna be tackling that question today, hearing from Pastor Lucas about what are you going to rebuild in this season? So stay tuned for that. getting ready to have church in person again. We are so excited to be gathering both in our building again with all of you guys and to be gathering with you guys online as well. We get to have two gatherings. We do. So if you're comfortable mm -hmm. and you are in Powell River right now, uh, being here in the building, then you know, maybe just stop this video and make your way to church for 10 o'clock this morning. You could even double dip if you want. Come to both. Yeah, and then you could decide if Pastor Lucas preached better here on video or in person. It's like when I was a kid um, and I would watch Jeopardy early. Like there was like an early segment of Jeopardy yeah. and then like the seven o'clock, 7.30 Jeopardy. And I would sometimes watch the early one so I could answer the questions right. And my parents were like, how do you know all these things? I'm like, genius. I just know. And so if you want to pull a uh, young child Marcus Jeopardy moment, but with church, feel free to do that. Yeah, and you can actually walk in because we don't yep. have to pre-register anymore. Um, however, moving forward, we are asking if you have kids, for the summer, yes. we will not have Evangel kids running, so you are welcome to bring things for them to do, but if you would like something for them to do here, you just need to let us know that you're coming so we can have something ready. I heard there are snacks in that there bag. There are so, snacks. Can I register myself? No, you have to be under 12. And it's worth a try, you know? <laughs> you're gonna be deeply engrossed in the message. You're right, it's true. Because it's a good one. Yeah, we're looking forward one. to it. Well, we have been doing preambles, like this moment that we shared together for what, 16 months? Yeah, Is that what we but decided? it feels like 17,000 years. Yeah, and so um, I don't know about you, but have you done something new and fresh every single morning? Uh, for, I guess not every single morning, but every single week for somebody? Yeah. Um, and so we wanna put the power in your hands today. And so our preamble is like an anti-preamble today, I guess. <laughs> it is, um, we're where, rebelling. Yeah, where we wanna put the power in your hands. So if you have something that you want us to do, mm -hmm. um, I guess within like, uh, like yeah, some reason. reason. <laughs> uh, but if you have something that you want us to do, a question you want us to answer, a topic that you want us to tackle, uh, comment something below or DM us on either our Facebook or Instagram. You can go on our website um, and let us know what you guys want to see with preamble because we want to make sure uh, that we're not just like, I don't know, drumming yeah. things up in a vacuum. Yep. And so we want to have this a shared moment. And so our preamble today is offering you the gift of telling us what our next preamble will be. And so you can do that kind of however you want. Comment however here, DM us. I don't know, send us a carrier pigeon, <laughs> whatever that looks like. Um, and so we're so excited to give you the opportunity to do that for us. Yeah, so would you join us now as we transition to our message on rebuilding with Pastor Lucas. 
Well, everyone, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped right now because as you're watching this online, uh, we are gathering and preparing to gather in person in our physical location here in Powell River uh, Evangel Church. And so we are excited. We are excited for this opportunity as we walk into phase three of our reopen plan here in BC to begin to gather together as a church. And, and we're kind of in a season of rebuilding um, parts of, of the gathered church, parts of the ecclesia. Uh, now, how many know that the church didn't go anywhere? Right? Like when we're talking about, you know, we're not talking about a building or we're not even talking necessarily about a gathering. I'm talking about the kind of flesh and blood and spirit that can constitutes the church. Those, those individuals who know Christ, who bear the spirit, who, who are collectively um, those that make up the body of Christ, the church. That's what we're defined as. We didn't go anywhere. Now, now with that said, we are... Um, probably not coming back to this moment uh, super healthy. Uh, there's very few of us that I think got through this season, this 16 months of pandemic without being kind of unscathed. I, I, I would venture a guess that we're not all at our best. In, in fact, even today, as I was reflecting and preparing, um, I'm walking with a limp right now. I, I, I am not at my best but i believe that the days of, of pretense the days of pretending like everything is good uh, those days just have to be over for the church if we are going to move forward we need to move forward in healing and in order to move forward in healing we need to be self-aware enough to say we're not at our best so what is it going to take to get whole again what is it going to take to become healthy, mature believers in Jesus. And, and today I want to present to you four keys, four keys to rebuilding in this season. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you're online, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. If you don't have a Bible, visit that and we will get a Bible right to you as soon as possible. You can also get a digital Bible there. But if you have your Bible, turn to Ezra. We're going to start in chapter one and we're going to kind of jump around in that book and so Ezra chapter one. So let's just, let's just open a prayer. Let's recognize the spirit of truth that leads us in revelation of God's truth for, for ourselves, for our families, and for our church. And so we're just going to do that. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence with us wherever we're watching from. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that your spirit is the revealer of truth. Lord, it's more than just an intellectual exercise. There's something living and breathing in terms of pursuing truth in this world. And Lord, I pray in this moment as we dig into your word, that Lord, you would speak to our hearts, that Lord, you would give us a revelation of Jesus, that you would give us a revelation of uh, ourselves and what we need in this season. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on. Amen. I can't wait to do that in person again. Hear that those amens echoed. I'm probably going to push for more and more of them. Uh, but if you're taking notes or, or if you need to kind of reestablish the habit of taking notes, write, write this down. Four keys to rebuilding. Realize it's instituted by God. Realize it's instituted by God. Number two, restore worship restore worship number three rebuild the foundations rebuild the foundations and number four 
resistance is expected. Resistance is expected. For, for those who like lists, you're welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't like lists, I believe, usually I preach one kind of point sermons, main thing kind of statements. But today, I believe in you. I believe that you can keep up with us. Now, I love this moment in chapter one as we begin to look at Ezra because there's, there's something really significant that's going on here. It's, it's prophetic. It speaks to God instituting, God being in control. And so let's dig into realizing it's instituted by God. Rebuilding in this season is instituted by God. So here we go. Ezra chapter 1. Verse 1, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he, make, he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of, the, of God that is in Jerusalem. Now, now, let me set the stage for you here in, in understanding the significance of this moment. Now, Cyrus, Cyrus is not a believer in Yahweh. Uh, perhaps he's a believer in Yahweh in, in an in a add-on sense. But, but Cyrus is a polytheist. In other words, he comes from a culture and a place where they worship many gods. Uh, in fact, his primary kind of attention of worship was to a god called Marduk. And Marduk kind of rose to be the head of the pantheon of the gods of, of, of the Babylonians. Now, now, I say all that to say that Cyrus is not a believer, per se, in Yahweh, uh, what he refers as a god of the heavens. Yet, yet about 216 years before Cyrus is even born, we see that a prophet named Isaiah speaks about Cyrus. Now, it's not like... When, sometimes we look at prophecy in the Old Testament and we kind of look at it in terms of, oh yeah, that could fit. You know, well, we could make that work. No, in this case, this is very specific. Cyrus is actually called by name and his exploits are described to over 200 years before Cyrus is even born. Let's, let's jump there. Isaiah 44, 28. And we'll start and we'll jump into, into chapter 5 as well. It says this, verse 28, Isaiah 44, Who says of Cyrus, calls him by name, He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purposes. This is God speaking through the prophet. Saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Very, very specific. Listen to this. It goes on in, in chapter 45. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped. To subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings. To open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places. That you may know that it is I, 
the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen. I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other beside me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other. How profound is this? This is speaking directly to Cyrus, who's yet to be born. This was written and spoken by the prophet Isaiah about 216 or so years before Cyrus even exists on this planet. This is about as specific as prophecy can get. Now, it's important to note that Israel was not the only people or religious group that Cyrus released to uh, go back into their practices, their religious gatherings, into their territories and their places of origin. This is something that Cyrus actually uniquely brought to the world as a leader. He would often um, release the conquered people that he was king over, those that were part of his empire, and he released them to their own territories, their own origin places, as well as their own practices in terms of religious practices. Uh, however, we see that God, God had a plan. Uh, God is the one who instituted the rise of Cyrus for this moment to release Israel back into Judah, back into Jerusalem, where they would begin to lay the foundations of the temple. Now, I want you to meditate and consider the, the implications of this reality. We have spent about 16 months in a season of exile <laughs> in terms of uh, proximity to one another, the gathering of the church, the, the gathering of families at tables, um, it's just, it's just amazing the situation that we found ourselves in. Now, it's, it's significantly different than, you know, the captivity of Israel and being pulled out of the land, but, but it, it carries a lot of the same emotions and feelings and, and realities for our society. We've been impacted. We've been reshaped. Um, some, some things have been torn down and, and some of those will be rebuilt and, and others might not even be rebuilt in this time and in this season. And it's in this moment of returning to the gathering of the church that I want you to consider the profound intention that God had planned for this moment in the history of Israel. In Jeremiah, he prophesied a timeline of 70 years that they would be in captivity. And that matches up with them now returning to Judah. In Isaiah, he inspires the prophet um, to speak of Cyrus, that, that he would raise him up to release Israel back into Judah and, and Jerusalem. God is instituting the rebuilding of the temple. And I believe in this day, in this moment, God has already pre-decided what would happen in this moment, in this situation. This pandemic was not uh, unforeseen by Yahweh, by our God. And that is such a, a lifting feeling that knowledge that God is the institutor of this rebuild, of this moment, of the season, of the church coming back to gathering and back to mission and back to the purposes that he's called us to. He saw this, he knows it, and he is already instituting the rebuild that we are going to walk in. Now, why is this so important? 
I, I think it's important because if we don't see that God, if we don't realize that God has instituted the rebuild, we can get ahead of ourselves and begin to do things in our own strength, in our own way, in our own perceptions of what is to come. But we can also, if we don't see this, we can also become so discouraged that we almost don't even begin to take those steps forward. There's something encouraging about knowing that God has instituted this rebuild. There's something um, tempering about knowing that God has instituted so that we don't run ahead of him, but rather we sit and we hear and we listen for his intention for this season and for this time in the life of the church. The second thing is you restore worship. In order to rebuild, we must restore worship. Now, now, for those of you that are listening online, uh, we are gathered together today in this building in Powell River Evangel Church, worshiping God. There, there's something just so special about the gathered church, the opportunity to lift up our voices and declare truth together about who God is and who we are as a result of that reality. And there's something so profound about that. Now, as a kid growing up, um, <laughs> the only reference I really had for, for expression of worship it was very wrapped up in music ministry. In those, those times where you come to church and you sing together. And, and that was kind of my definition. And as I began to grow up and mature in my faith, I, I began to realize that worship was much more than just those feel-good moments of, of singing songs with the saints, I began to discover that acts of worship involved obedience and a life submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and, and His ways. Acts of worship that, that were hard and painful at times. Moments of obedience that um, killed the flesh and caused me to respond in a way that was, was against my natural inclinations. These holistic acts of worship is defined by obedience and submission and looking to the ways of Jesus. Now, a number of months ago, I was in meetings um, and uh, Pastor Derek Hamry, who is the, the lead pastor of Christian Life Assembly in um, Langley, was asked to share a devotional. And he, and he said something that really stuck with me. He, he said, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, everyone wants to be a Joshua, going in triumphant and claiming the land. But we need in this time a generation of Ezra's and Nehemiah's, those that will put in the hard work of rebuilding the ruins of the temple, erecting the broken walls of the city. In light of some of the people that we're about to be introduced to in chapter 3 of Ezra, I would say it this way. We don't need Joshua's in this moment. We need Jeshua's. Now, I know if you're going to get into the Hebrew, they're basically the same name. <laughs> but we don't need Joshua's. We need Jeshua's. And you'll see what I mean by that as we jump into Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shethil, with his kinsmen. And they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. 
They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening, and they kept the feasts of the offerings by number according to the rule, as each day required, and after that the regular burnt offerings. The offerings at the new moon and all the appointed feasts of the Lord and the offerings of everyone who made a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Did, did you notice that little statement in, in verse six there? What, what preceded the action? What, what preceded any kind of action in terms of rebuild? But before a single tool was picked up in service to the rebuild, they restored the altar to Yahweh and they worshipped. In fact, it would be another 19 months before the foundation of the temple would even be, the, the restoration would even begin. So, so what's going on here? Now keep in mind that we serve a God who is... Um, uh, his strength and His power exists autonomous to us. So, so this season of worship was not for God's sake. It was for the sake of the people. Those who were in exile were now free. Those who now needed to revisit the ways of worship prescribed and described in the books of the law. Now, now I believe in this season that God is calling the faithful back to the simple acts of worship, both individually and collectively that simply realign our hearts to who the reality of who God is, who Christ is, and who we are as a result of those realities. This season, before we do anything else, before we pick up a single tool to build this next moment in the church, we need to realign our hearts through worship. We need to restore worship corporately together and so if you are watching online i know some of you can't some of you are high risk and your situations don't allow for it but if you are watching online and you would like to be a part of that moment together collectively uh sunday at 10 o'clock each sunday we are meeting there's no need to register there's no need to do just come as you are and worship with us heal with us grow in christ with us we invite you but i believe that this season god is calling the faithful back to the simple acts of worship and realigning our hearts around who he is and who we are as a result now i said simple acts of worship i did not say easy <laughs> you know jeshua and the priests along with zerubbabel and his clan they put in the hard work coming under the lordship of yahweh um and the prescription of the law, they didn't just come to do a new thing. They, they actually submitted themselves to the way of Yahweh, the way of the law. And they brought the feast. They did the hard work of showing up in the morning with the morning sacrifice and the, and the evening with the evening burnt offerings and the free will offering and all the festivals. It was work. It was work. It went against the idea of comfort. But I believe that the simplicity of coming back to worship is going to be so profound in this season. Today, I believe the Spirit of God is calling us to worship, obedience, and submission to the Lordship of Christ with the Spirit strengthening us and the body of believers cheering us on. 
The third thing is we need to rebuild, rebuild the foundations. So all of these things that we spoke of, realizing that God institutes rebuilds, uh, restoring worship, all of those things were precursors to rebuilding the temple foundation. As I said, it would be 19 months later that they would even begin to rebuild um, this temple foundation. Let, let's read what happens, Ezra 3, 8 to 13. Now in the second year after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel and the, and the son of Shethiel and Jeshua the son of Josedach made a beginning together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. So here they are, they're beginning this process. Now, uh, just a fun fact, the second month uh, of the year is actually when Solomon began work on the original temple. So uh, that would not have been lost on them. I just think that that's, a, that's kind of a neat thing. Um, continuing, from 20 years old, um, so they appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua, with his sons and his brothers, and Kedemiel, and his sons and the sons of Judah, along with supervised, uh, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Henadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with the trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, and the, the symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they began responsibly praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites, heads of fathers, houses, old men who had seen the first house wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound a joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout and the sound was heard far away. Now I want you to consider what the temple represents in the New Testament context. Paul the Apostle, he writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I, I mentioned earlier that I'm not presenting you today in this moment with the best version of myself. There's some healing. There's some, there's some restoration. There's some um, quiet reflection that needs to happen for each and every one of us. I, I believe I'm not the only one. And we suffered a trauma in this season. The isolation, the constant unknowns, especially in the early days of the pandemic. You know, the large-scale changes uh, relearning of everyday activities, feeling like we lived in a foreign land, so to speak. The realization that so much of relationship is dependent on proximity. This, this season that we find ourselves in right now is one of healing, of restoring wholeness, of laying foundations of this temple, of this temple, body, mind, soul, and spirit. And that, that both individually, but also collectively together. We are all in this journey together. And I believe that this season, this moment, it's about rebuilding. Rebuilding the foundations of this temple. And so we, we realize that God has instituted it. We, we uh, 
restore worship, position ourselves before Almighty God. But now we begin to rebuild the foundations. And I want to conclude with this. This is our last point. But the fourth thing is, is resistance is expected. In this story, we read there's a lot of resistance to the rebuild. There were threats. There were accusations. Uh, there was political maneuvering that stalled the delay and delayed the, the, the rebuilding of the temple foundation. And, and we need to be aware that um, resistance is, we are going to find resistance in this season, in this time of rebuilding within the church. And sure, uh, does, our, does resistance come from external sources? Absolutely. You know, perhaps we may find greater political, social, and societal resistance as we move forward, as we begin to rebuild. But that's not the, the resistance I want to speak to today because I, I don't think that that is the resistance we have to worry so much about. Uh, you know, Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not um, stand against it. But, but I think that in this moment, as we rebuild the altars of worship, the gathering of the capital C church, um, our individual temples, body, soul, spirit, we, we may find that the resistance that is going to be the most damaging potentially was going to come from within the church, within the body. I, I believe that this, this, this season carries a caution for us. We live in a divisive moment and season and time. And I'm praying, and this is my prayer, and I hope that you will join me in this prayer, that we would be a people that put unity in the spirit over the tertiary differences we have on matters that are debatable. Did you hear, do you hear what I'm saying on that? Not, not on matters that are foundational. I'm talking about matters that are debatable. And we need to keep the main thing the main thing. The greatest threat to the church, I believe, in this season, in this moment of rebuild, is not going to come from external sources as much as it potentially could come from within. And may we be those that are united in the spirit of one mind in Christ, growing and maturing and healing and restoring wholeness within each and every one of us, both individually and collectively, and growing in faith so that mission, this mission we've been called to would not, got, not get lost in the mix. Paul clarifies our position in, in, in these matters so eloquently in Romans 14, one to four. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before your own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Resistance is expected, but we will overcome this too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we are in this season of rebuild, that you have led us to this moment. And Lord, you, your purposes in, in building your kingdom have not been lost in this season. Though we mourn what we have lost, Lord, we know that you are in control. We know, Lord God, that you redeem all things. We know, Lord, that you are the one who brings reconciliation, 
restoration. And so in this season we find ourselves in, Lord, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, to, Lord, reveal the steps you've set before us in this season. Lord, we don't want to run out ahead of you. Lord, we, we realize that you have instituted this moment. You have instituted, you foresaw this moment and you have a plan. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to your will, to your way, and to your plan. Lord, we, we worship you. We lift up your name, Jesus. We're so grateful for the salvation that we, that we walk in. We, we love you, Lord. We worship you. Would you restore the altars of worship within our lives? Lord God, we, we rebuild the foundations. Lord, we return to those places of our soul, that, that those places of repentance, those places of restoration, those places, Lord God, where we need other people invested in our lives in proximity to us. Lord, we want to rebuild the foundations and we want to move forward in wholeness and in strength. And Lord God, we realize that resistance is inevitable. But God, I pray that the resistance to the church in this season would be uh, from the external sources and not from within, Lord. Give us grace, give us mercy for one another as we rebuild and restore and move into this new era and this new time in the life of the church. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Again, if you're watching and you have not uh, joined us in person, we invite you to do that. Uh, we love you and God bless. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lucas, for just leading us in that vision that you have for what uh, rebuilding our lives and the church can look like in this season. Uh, just before we get into some announcements, I just want to let you know we are doing communion together here online as well. So if you maybe forgot to grab your elements or you need to grab them right now, feel free to do that. Just pause this because these announcements are fun and exciting, so you do want to hear them. But pause this stream, grab your elements, and just be prepared because after announcements, we are going to be joining in communion together. Yeah, so our first announcement is happening mm -hmm. right away yep. on July 10th, which yes. is just this coming Saturday. And that is we're launching something called Evangel Socials yeah. throughout the summer. One thing I've really missed is getting together with people. Yeah. And I absolutely. found my like small talk has been brutal. I know. Like, I feel like I don't know what socializing is anymore. I know, I don't know how to talk to people anymore. Yeah. And so that is part of what Evangel Socials are gonna be. It's just gonna re-engage community. Uh, remember how incredible it is to laugh with one another and just brush the dust off of some of those social skills that we haven't had to use in far too long. Now, we have some restrictions still on backyard gatherings. So we can only have 50 people, which means that for our socials, you will have to register. There are two homes for our July 10th social that you can choose between. And you can find all that information on myevangel.church forward slash register. Yep. 
that's right. And then the following day, uh, we're just like continuing the celebrations because it is Grad Sunday. So we did choose to decide to delay our Grad Sunday uh, just a couple of weeks so that we could like truly be in person together. Yeah. And so we're really excited in our Sunday AM service at 10 AM uh, to celebrate our grads. And so if you are a grad or if you have a high school grad in your family, uh, we would love for you to come and just celebrate the, uh, the great milestone that these students are kind of stepping from and as they transition into adulthood. And so we have uh, just a small gift for them. We wanna pray for them and commission our grads as they kind of jump into this new step of life. And so we would love for you to join us grads or grad parents if you are coming uh can you just email me marcus at evangelpc.com just so that we know that you're coming and so that we know that you will be there um so that we can just make sure that we have all of the people that we can possibly have uh, to celebrate your grad and then the last announcement that we is that we have a new spay camp coming up and a little known fact is that the island churches, Powell River being one of them, are actually all co-owners yeah. of this camp. Sure are. So the new spay camp is truly our camp. Yep. And so church, we have a responsibility to take care of that which is hours and just like churches were given a very late green light <laughs> yes. so were camps but camps are these incredible spaces where we invite kids and teenagers to press pause and to create space to wait on the holy spirit and we know that when we give the holy spirit time to work in our lives that he just shows up in incredible ways so if you have a teen or a kid or a preteen, because teens are full, oh. um, there's still space for you to register. But also if you could volunteer in the kitchen or if you wanna run some games or if you wanna be a cabin counselor, uh, please talk to me. Another one that we always need at Highs Camp are sports staff. So if yes. you know how to like actually um, play a sport. Yeah, play a sport, and but but more importantly, referee a sport. Uh, we really would love your help because we always uh, need some sports staff to do that as well. Yeah, so if you talk actually to either one of us, yep. we can get you hooked up with the registration mm -hmm. form for either a camper or a volunteer, yes. but it is all weekend camps this year, yep. so it makes it extra easy um, if you are working. I'm so excited. Me too. I haven't been to camp in so long, it's gonna be so fun. I know, we're each doing two. Yep, Yeah. it's gonna be great. If you wanna partner with us here at Evangel, we would uh, love and appreciate your support. So if you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, it will give you all the ways to do that. Just as a heads up, uh, we usually have done drive-through generosity on Sunday mornings. So technically you're still welcome to do that, um, but just keep in mind that if you do come for drive-through generosity, then there will be people, uh, or there may be people, here in the building as we gather as a church together, but all of the ways that you can give uh, in person for drive through generosity is still there. There will just be some extra people uh, in the building as well. Well, thank you for staying with us through all of those announcements for this time of communion together. Well, as we kind of uh, were talking about, you know, it is one of those strange things coming back into what feels like normal. Um, it's amazing how in such a short amount of time we can forget things yeah. like small talk or uh, what people's faces look like underneath a mask. I know that there are times where like I don't have to worry if I yawn sometimes, right? Because I'm wearing a mask, nobody can tell. 
and we're gonna have to relearn or readjust to some things. And so I think it's so interesting that as Jesus is kind of outlining the Lord's Supper for us, he talks about this being a point of remembrance because we're a people who forget so easily. And we can forget the magnitude of what the cross meant for us. And that just catches us up in striving and trying to earn God's love and, and kind of forgetting about what the sacrifice of Jesus actually meant. And so what a beautiful gift to us that God says, you know what, when you get together, do this in remembrance of me. Do this to realign your heart, to remember what I did, to remember that you have this hope that you don't live in bondage anymore, but that you are in freedom. And do this to remember so that it can spark you onto mission, to proclaiming this truth that Jesus has died for our sins, that he is our freedom, that he is our access to a relationship with God, to a world that so desperately needs that message. And so this morning, as we dive into communion, could this be a time when we just remember when we realign our hearts with the good news that this isn't on us, <laughs> that there's no part of, a, of this that, that we can earn. There's no striving, there's only freedom and an outflow of the gratitude we have for the cross. And so in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I received from the Lord when I passed on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when we, he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. Oh, Pastor Marcus, would you pray for us? Yes, I would. God, thank you so much uh, that we have just a, a practice in our lives to remember. Uh, that as it's so easy for us to kind of forget or, or, or you know, kind of go down a path that uh, we just find ourselves on, that you have those moments for us to kind of remember, to recalibrate, and to realign. And so, Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where we partner with your spirit in doing so, where we partner with you um, in remembering the gift of salvation that you have given to us for your by your death and resurrection, um, and how that is truly a free gift of grace to each one of us. And so we thank you so much for that. And may that simple truth, yet, uh, yet so profound in our lives, cause us to realign, cause us to look back to you and just see uh, a savior who is loving and who receives us even when uh, we may find ourselves out of alignment. And so Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where you uh, bring us back to your heart, where you bring us back to your uh, presence and spirit today so that we can continue to walk with you uh, and walk as you lead us in our lives. And so we thank you so much for what this moment means for each one of us today. May we never take it for granted and may we do so with the hope and expectation and excitement uh, for the day that you come again when you are bringing us back to yourself in perfect relationship. So Jesus, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we will see you next week yes. online, mm -hmm. but also in person yep. at 10 a.m. Have a great week.